Are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things? When you hear the trippy music, and it's a Wednesday at 2 p.m. at mutinyradio.fm, you know what time it is. It's time for a show where we talk about God and stuff. It's Some Call Me Tim. All right. Day on Some Call Me Tim. I'm supposed to be getting a call from Jim 30 Acre, which I think is his real name, which is kind of silly. He's driving back from Oregon right now. Oh, let's see if that's him. I bet it is. Jim, is this you? Right, he's right on time. How perfect. How perfect. Right on time. Right on time. Hey, right on time, Jim. Very good. Right on. Oh, good. Okay, I can hear you. You can hear me. I'm going to get that music out of there. I can hear you. Yeah, it's the magic of radio. I have the phone. It's going through the board. The people can hear you. That's Uh, awesome. We're going to... You're safe to drive. Everything's okay. Yeah, I haven't had a I haven't had a wreck yet, so I, okay. I think I'm doing all right. Yeah, all right, good. Uh, your old man eyes are up to the task. You can multitask here on both things. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah, I hope so. I, you know, that, that, this will be an interesting test. But I, I am going over a Siskiyou Pass here in about uh, five minutes, so I'll give you a blow by blow. You know, there's like lots of 18 wheelers on the road, <laughs> and you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of threads to keep in the old duder's head here. Well, we'll hopefully, since we're going to talk about God and stuff, you'll stay alive. Uh, yeah. So this is the uh, this is a show where I talk with a different person every week about whatever they believe in, whether it's religious in nature or whether it's esoteric or you know, however you know. I I believe in cats and conspiracy theories, but uh, we're going to get to all that. But I usually ask first. Do you? Well, I have a picture of Sparkle Jesus. I don't know if you've seen him at MutinyRadio.fm. He's a beautiful uh, white Sparkle Jesus, very long, flowing hair, uh, and sparkly yeah. robes. Do you believe in Jesus? Interesting question. Uh, yeah, um, I think that it's entirely possible there was a historical character named Jesus. You know, and and um, that uh, you know it's been fictionalized and, and romanticized down through the ages, and you know the stories remain relatively unchanged. Um, personally, um, you know, I was raised to believe in Jesus, and not just Jesus, but a blue-eyed blonde Jesus. And, um, you know, I, I bought into that until I was about 12, and then I kind of figured it out. And, you know, I was, I, it, I was slow, but I got there. And uh, so now I don't consider myself an atheist as far as religion. I just really do think there is a spiritual quality to humanity. And I think Jesus might have at one time embodied that for a lot of people. I don't know. He certainly made some waves if he was a human being. Uh, he had some radical ideas at the time, you know. Which, uh, so, which kind of Christianity? Yeah. Were you a Catholic Christian or were you a Presbyterian? No, no I, I, was, I was raised United Methodist. Oh. Yeah, which is uh, the Canadian Church, you know, Methodist Church, is kind of called the United Church of Canada. Um, and then the Methodist Church in the States. So I was a Western Methodist. And that's Are a lot Canadian? different than the Southern. Uh, I was born in Canada, yeah. Yeah, I am. I'm Canadian, but of American parents. It's part of, <laughs> yeah, I'm an MCAN. So, an American Canadian. You, you, but, 
So your parents were Americans, but because you were born in Canada, yeah. you have dual citizenship? Yeah, I have birthright Canadian citizenship, and I have uh, inherited U.S. citizenship. Why are you here? <laughs> because Canada's fucking cold, man. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But, but uh, B.C. is nice. Vancouver is very nice. Oh, yeah. No, there's some great places. That's my hometown is Vancouver. Um, but... So my life, uh, you know, came here. Uh, my folks had the opportunities in the States with work and all. And that's, you know, dad was, that's the reason we were in Canada was the job that he had. So uh, for, it was an international corporation sort of a situation, right? So anyway, he worked for them and then we moved back to the States. And, you know, I, I just made a life for myself in the States. It was easy at that time in that I, you know, I went to school uh, after high school, that sort of thing. How, so old were you, how old were you when you moved from Canada to the United States? First time I was six years old, uh, and then I lived in the States until I was eight. And then I moved back to Canada until I was about 12 or 13. I can't remember. It gets a little blurry there because, you know, puberty kicked in, right? Mm. Um, and then we moved back to the States uh, for about three or four years, and then I moved out on my own, and I was on my own after that. So, so do you consider uh, yourself, I, I, do you consider your upbringing more Canadian or more American? Well, you know, it's more American for sure. You know, it's like I was the one kid in class that said his ABCs, and at the end I said Z instead of Z. Oh. my mom taught me American ABCs, and the Canadians say Z, and if you don't say Z, man, you're in a cloakroom for a half hour. All right? So, yeah. Did they do you the same thing if, if you called someone a hoser? Is that like the worst? Is that like the worst <laughs> um, slur you can call someone? Here, here, uh, it's, here it's the N-word there. If you say hoser, there. <laughs> yeah, right. It's the H word. Uh, no, I, you know that was sort of a uh, Midwest Canadian thing. Uh, you know, you think about the Great White North and, and Bob and Doug McKenzie. I'm a real comedy geek, and, and those oh, I guys. Love those guys. Yeah, those guys killed me when I was a kid, and I and Strange you know Brew. the whole thing. Was, Great movie. They were really they, yeah. They were like a Manitoba, Saskatchewan kind of guy. Right. And that is really sort of a um, yeah. Uh, Canadian, uh, Vancouver Canadians, they're, they're very British on the British end of the spectrum for the most part. Um, you know, at least the, the, the Euro culture is, you know, obviously there's a huge diversity in Vancouver. And, okay, what I'm getting to is, yeah. were you made yeah. fun of mercilessly as a child? I, I mean, you, which, who made fun of you more? Were you made fun of more when you were in Canada being an American, or were you made fun of more being in the United yeah. States being yeah. a Canadian? I, it, it was it's a toss up. You know, you, it was even Stephen, frankly, because uh, you know white people will do anything. It's, you know, it, whatever they can find that's different, that's what they're going to pick on. And you know, the communities I lived in were all white, so they couldn't pick on just anybody. They had to find. Oh my God, there's a white guy, but he's Canadian. Mm. You know, so the, yeah, or there's a white guy, but he's American, right? And you know, before I came into this one town in Canada. The uh, the kids that got picked on all the time were the Chinese kids, and there was two of them, and they were brother and sister, and it, their names were, swear to God, Dick and Fanny Wong. Oh, Dick and Fanny Wong! I love their names. Yeah, Those poor children. Dick and Fanny were my, yeah, they they were my only friends because if they hung out with me, they didn't get picked on. I did. So they were my best pals. Uh, yeah, and plus their I had a parents, Did their parents hate them so much? I mean, Dick and Fanny, because they could have chosen any English name. If you're coming from China, right? You get to pick yeah, any English it, name you want, and they go with yeah. Dick and Fanny. They go with Dick and Fanny. <laughs> yeah, and Wong. Yeah. Not even Thank Fanny. God they weren't Wang. But, oh yeah. God, I know Dick Fanny, Wang. That'd no. be a great one. Yeah, Dick Wang. <laughs> so did That'd you? Be a great yeah. <laughs> Did you find? 
the church to be a solace for you when you were a child? Was it like helpful and it gave you a community or was that also distancing? Wait, I missed that part. Uh, did, when, missed you, part. when you went to church when you were a kid, did you see it as a oh, community oh. that you enjoyed being a part of? Or did you feel yeah. like that? Right. How did, did it? Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I felt community there because I didn't feel it elsewhere. And, you know, you, you, you kind of have to be nice when you're in church. So, um, you know, you, <laughs> like the bullies were still in church, but they were polite bullies. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, just, right. they say, fuck you, fuck you, Yankee, but they wouldn't punch me at the same time. That, that was about the difference. Gotcha. So, um, yeah. So you stopped believing in Jesus when you were 12. Was it the move yeah. back to the United States or was there something that happened in your family or was it just an awakening where you were like, was there a, yeah. this is bullshit. What, what was the moment where you're like, this is bullshit and, and why? Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, well, when I came back to the States for the second or third time, I can't remember which, uh, you know, I, I still got beaten up by the bullies and, uh, even the bullies, like I said, and this is interesting, you know, I hadn't really thought about this, but the bullies that I went to church with, uh, and you know, I was, I was, a I tend to be a real passionate believer, you know, get into something. So I was really on board with Jesus and, you know, his message of peace, love and understanding. And, you know, um, and you know, that was during also, it really was, that was, you know, the hippie age was kicking in and we're all like, you know, we're all getting along and, you know, peace is the, the message and love is the answer and so forth. So, you know, when I realized I was getting my ass kicked by people who were supposed to believe in the same guy, it's like, oh, this is all bullshit. That doesn't make any sense. Why would they do this if they really did, you know, if... So it kind of exposed the hypocrisy that I wasn't really aware of. It's like, you know, what... You know, and, and it's like, oh, fuck, you know, there is no Santa? Well, you know, that's multiplied by 100 when you're told there's no... When you kind of come to the realization there's no God up there keeping an eye on your ass. And when, you know? what are you going to uh, say to the bully? I'm just going to turn the other cheek. Like, and then he's going to yeah, make fun yeah, of yeah, you yeah. for being a Christian, too. He'll be like, you Christian yeah, well, yeah, faggot. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, turn me into a doormat, you know? It's like, seriously, it's like, I, by believing in Jesus and the message of peace, I basically wouldn't fight back. I did kind of feel that. No, I did. I felt that quite, you know, passionately. I thought this is wrong. Yeah. It's the reason I'm a Democrat to this day. I won't be a Republican because those are the guys that do that. Those are the guys I found out, you know, they're the ones that end up being Republicans when they grow up. They're just these, they you know, narrow-minded, ignorant. Cruelty, yeah. yeah. Well, or it may be just yeah, the, yeah. the lack of empathy that's, that their actions can really yeah. affect other people. Yeah, yeah, and I, I agree, and, and you know, that's an, we, we see that and say that about our president all the time, that there's no empathy in him, and you know what, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's willful ignorance. You can learn empathy. Absolutely. You can put yourself in somebody else's shoes, right? Yeah, so, right. You know, I, 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 yeah. The thing I think that can breed empathy is one of the things that our president doesn't do, which is read literature. So when you're reading yeah. a first-person narrative and it's somebody's story, you as the reader, yeah. through the author, can immerse yourself in someone else's perspective. And you can yeah. you can read a book about a person who has who has, you know, you know, terrible characteristics and you can understand why they make them. You can you can step you can literally step into other people's viewpoint if you yeah. immerse yourself in literature. But I've heard and, yeah. that he doesn't read. He just doesn't read. He, he doesn't read. No, yeah, he doesn't read true. anything. And, he watches T V no, Yeah, T V will feed him all he needs, so that's yeah, it's true. But let's not talk about that guy. No, I know, <laughs> I, I, absolutely. Do you are you are you a big reader? Do you like 
Yeah. Do you consume a yeah. lot of entertainment and what kinds of forms? I mean, well, or because maybe yeah. religion yeah. is a form of entertainment. Sort of like how do you spend your, your time now? Do you have like a spiritual practice where you yeah. do anything religiously? Maybe comedy is for you? I'm yeah. putting words in your mouth. Go ahead. Yeah, no, comedy for sure has become a real exciting adventure and, and it's become a creative um, fountain for me, you know, that um, I didn't realize I had within me. You know, it, I always suspected, but I was afraid to try it. Um, but you know, as far as uh, the other aspect of that question, um, you know, um, the thing that I do every day is I, I do exercise uh, uh, Tai Chi. Uh, I do a 40-move uh, Yang-style short form, and I do that every morning, uh, and I try to clear my mind of everything I can. If anything does come up while I'm in that workout, I know it's important, and I'll write it down and deal with it after my workout. So the thing about Tai Chi is it's exercise, but it's also meditation. Um, I don't want to sound too... Um, New age. You know, about it, but <laughs> it's great. What was that? But, yeah, you know, but I just find it—it's been a very real, a very helpful thing for me to do, um, because I don't have a lot of personal discipline as it is, it seems, and this thing has really helped me kind of do that. How long have you been doing this forty-move Tai Chi in the morning? Um, since, since nineteen, well, since my first divorce, uh, <laughs> I got into it then, uh, and uh, that was nineteen ninety-two. You've been doing every every day. Not every day. I, I don't want to say every day, but that, that's my goal is to do every day. And I generally get pretty darn close. I do seven Since day a week a lot. 90, 1992. That's incredible. For 25 yeah, yeah. years. Longer yeah. than that. For 26 years. Yeah, yeah. You'd think I'd be in better shape, you know, but so maybe it's not working so well. I don't know. Well, no, just that you, that, I mean, that's a spiritual practice. Like that's I I don't it know. Totally is. I don't know ballerinas maybe. <laughs> They're yeah. every day the discipline of that. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, you should be able to do it. They really do recommend you do it twice a day, uh, right after you get up in the morning and right before you go to bed at night. And I've done that for you know long periods of time when I've had that time to do. Is this like? Uh, but, is it like yoga or is it like the old ladies? In the in the park uh, with the red pants. Yeah, it's like the old ladies in the park. It is. It's exactly like the old ladies in the park. Uh, yoga is more of a stretching thing, you know. And um, uh, Tai Chi, you're actually uh, well. My first teacher that I learned from said Tai Chi is for people. It's, it's yoga for people with their eyes open. I don't know what that meant, but it sounded cool. So do you do yoga you know, with your I'll, eyes closed? I apparently. <laughs> I had never done yoga, huh. so I, I don't know. I think, but it was that was his, you know, that was his metaphor that because he used to do yoga and then he got into tai chi and then now it, when I was learning from him, he was in competition internationally. It's a really interesting world. I've never gone that route, but as far as competitive meditation, competitive, okay, you have to write a joke about yeah. that. Competitive <laughs> meditation, right, right. seriously, yeah, competitive tai chi. No, no. Who meditates harder, <laughs> me? I love it. You've got to write a joke that, about that. That sounds like a... Yeah, yeah, competitive meditation sounds great. Um, no, absolutely. No, see, because Tai Chi is actually a martial art. So it's one of those arts that... Uh, what, what's your name? Uh, oh, gosh, I'm going to blank. I'm going to do an old man blank on you here. Oh, Meryl Street. Remember when she oh, said that martial nice. arts aren't arts? Remember when she said that? And it was like, doggone it, Mar Meryl, I love you, but... Don't tell me what an art is, because I, I think a martial art can be a beautiful art, and 
anyway. So, it, but you don't uh, hit people. I thought martial arts are when you hit people, yeah. and you don't you don't hit people uh, in tai chi. Yeah. No, you uh, when you practice tai chi, you're practicing a form, and that form is a, a fighting form. You're literally doing a fighting form. Uh, when I was taught it in the early '90s, it had been introduced to the United States um, as. Uh, Oh gosh! Oh, I'm gonna guess what I'm doing right now. Are Not you getting... to change the subject, but guess what I'm doing? No, I'm, I'm going through the. Uh, you got any fruits and nuts, Dan? You want to hear it? Yeah, I just didn't want you to. I thought maybe you're you getting know. pulled over by a police officer, and you're so chipper about it. I thought you were gonna be like, guess what I'm doing? Yeah, right right. Now. I'm getting pulled over by a police hot, officer. Man. No, Look at that man. uniform. <laughs> right? No, no, no. Uh, no, I'm at the uh, Hornbrook uh, Agricultural Inspection Station. It's Wednesday, January 30th, 2019. 2.16 p.m. and it's 59 degrees. All that for free right there on top of And the you have thing. no nuts. No fruits, no nuts. I have nuts, but, you know, no nuts. That right, right. But don't... Sh- oh, wait. That did that. Sorry, that was uncomfortable. <laughs> no. All right. <laughs> you do... Oh, you, the the, the man, hey, man listen, dad jokes. Dad like jokes, but only because you're of the right. age of dad, so it's fine. I love it. I love it. Yeah, and, and I'm... Oh, here we go. Hello. Hi. Uh, no, uh-uh. Thank you, I will. Thanks a lot. Bye, lady. Cool. Fruits are nuts. Very nice. You, that, that's was, when that you, was one of California's, yeah. You, 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 have to, you were supposed to flirt with her and go, yeah, you can have these nuts. <laughs> I know. I, I, I'm not a good flirter, Pam. I don't no, know if you've noticed. It's, that, you know, that, it's not like really in my wheelhouse. That, that <laughs> wasn't really flirting. That was more like assault anyway. So don't don't take any of my advice. I'm a terrible person. <laughs> right. I'm like, I don't I'll tell you how to. I'll yeah. tell you how to subjugate a woman. Haha. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, ah. So, do you consider yourself a spiritual person because of the Tai Chi, or is there something outside of the Tai Chi that makes you? Do you feel like a connection? Do, are you like there's yeah. a higher power? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, that's why I don't consider myself an atheist. Uh, I, I really do feel like I'm an agnostic. I'm certainly not a, you know, an evangelist. An evangelist is like, you know, preacher type person that's going to say you got to be a Christian or you're going to die. Um, you know, and and I, I look at organized religion as essentially our first attempts at politics and you know government, right? Um, so uh, I do consider myself a spiritual person, but not because of the uh, religious teachings that I learned because I find that most of those are just common sense and uh, you know anybody can come up with that you know it's like yeah it's not a good idea to sleep around you might get killed by a jealous lover or you know catch something you didn't know about I mean just little common sense crap like that right right Uh, yeah so uh, I really I have to say at about 14 I got caught shoplifting right and I, I know I was just acting out looking for attention because my parents weren't really there. Um, but did you, you, and, had, uh, you had money. If you would have asked your parents for money, they would have given you money to buy the said item. You were just doing it because you were acting out. I was just doing it because I needed some attention, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I was 14 and I was full of hormones and, you know. It's exciting, too. It's exciting to steal things. Yeah, it is. It is. There's a real rush. And then you realize you're getting away with it. Anyway, so all that happened. But... I got caught. My folks got involved. My dad came to me and said, do you want to keep going to church or do you want to go hiking on Sundays? I said, I'd like to go hiking. And um, that's where I, I swear to God, the most spiritual moments of my life have been out in wilderness. Oh. You know, off the um, cement and asphalt of our lives and onto uneven ground. And I don't know why, but it just like, 
it, you, you just become more human. Uh, we're not meant to walk on even surfaces all the time, you know. Uh, Have you ever felt true level? <laughs> yeah, right. There is no, right? You know that, right? I mean, we, we, people seem to be so ill-adapted for this environment and this world. Uh, you know, it's like we have to make everything super smooth, and we ha we can't ever be cold or too hot. You know, we got seriously, we're no longer human. I mean, we're no longer. We seem to want to separate ourselves from our home which is the planet. And so when you get out into the, your planet and you're, you know, basically just you and your shoes and the rock and, you know, the dirt and whatever, I mean, to me, that makes you, you, you kind of reach a different humanity. Yeah. I don't know. Do I, you, I, I get really crazy. Do you think that people are born good and it's the world, the surrounding experiences that make them bad? Or do you think wow. that people are born bad and it's the external circumstances that make them good? Uh, yeah, and that's why we have like an organized religion to say, don't do this, do that. Well, because like babies will lie. Yeah. I I've met some very small children that they yeah. know they've done something they weren't supposed to do. And even at like yeah. two and a half years old, like two years old, some of the first times children will speak will be lies. And it's like, yeah. And yeah. so are they, are they born evil? Like evil that's babies. Interesting. I yeah. Well, you know, that's really an interesting thing. And it's true that, you know, we, we, we do tend to deflect the truth or try to deny the truth as a critter, you know, as a human being, we do seem to have that as a weakness or a survival skill. Who knows what that is? But um, that's a really interesting point. I hadn't really thought of it that way because my gut would say, no, I think we're all born um, blank slates. Uh, and we, you know, we, we basically exist on a, you know, a knife edge of good and bad. And our, I would say that there's a certain amount of, of a, a large amount of, of social and, um, you know, parental especially, uh, direction that will basically determine who you're going to be. Right. So, you say, um, so you're thinking not good or bad, blank slate, that it's nothing. Yeah, I, I really do. It's sort I, of like I think things things yeah. go up on either side and situations from the outside yeah. and then you decide if it's And then you make be. decisions. Well, that worked really well, you know, lying about that. So, gosh, I've lied and nobody's caught me. Why shouldn't I just keep lying? And, you know, sure, uh, sometimes it's even encouraged because people see it as a way of not being, you know, I mean, the one thing about Christianity that taught me was that I became, you know, like a doormat because I wouldn't fight back. I wouldn't mm. defend myself. I, I felt like that was not a good thing. I was a religious kid that way. And, you know, against my will, I mean, I was just told this is, you know, I was told an amazing lie. <laughs> right. I know. Well, that's you know, the thing, though, is then it becomes it. perspective. So it's, yeah. that's, that's so crazy about Christianity because what's a lie? If, I mean, wow, yeah. the, there are so many yeah. things where you're like, Really? There's uh, there's so yeah. many things in the Bible that I'm like, I just can't even, even, I mean, even to the stories with like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't agree with the right. king, they wouldn't bow down to him, so they threw them in the fire, yeah. and they danced in the right. fire, and none of them died. Daniel in the lion's right. den. They threw Daniel <laughs> into a den with ferocious, hungry lions, and the... God quieted the lions, and they didn't eat him, yeah. and he lived. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and then even in the New Testament, like, when God strikes people down, like, did did God really strike him down, or was it the community that struck the person down? Like, how does the... Yeah. What, I, I just... Well, they... 
Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I think you're right. Using you know religion as a bludgeon to keep people in line, um, you know, that's huge. And I think you know religions were really successful doing that. Yeah. So you you yeah. stopped drinking the Kool Aid and you said screw that. And yeah. where was that? What was the transition period up to '92 before you start doing the Tai Chi stuff? Were you Right. Were you hiking around in the wilderness? You're like, I love the woods. Like running, <laughs> like you running around naked with all the girls in the '80s. What would it do? Or right. No, no. I was 10 years old in the summer of love. By the time I got to the point where I could, you know, have sex, it could kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was mortified, man. It's like I can't have sex. Oh, this sucks. Uh, you know, seriously, I, I was in San Francisco in 1984 when the shit hit the fan. Wow. And, um, you know, I was a straight man, but, uh, you know, trying to date during that time it was really dicey because nobody knew, right? It was, uh, you didn't know if somebody had been with somebody that had been with, you know. You, right, everyone had AIDS. And, AIDS, 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 AIDS. Yeah. It was scary. Yeah, and, I remember were, watching yeah. a, a 21 Jump Street about AIDS and they were like, you can't get it from toilet wow. seats. And that was like in 86. And we were like, ah! I grew up in this scare too. I was just 10 years younger than you, but they scared us that it, everyone don't have sex in the AIDS, AIDS. Yeah. Yeah. Scared everybody, man. And, 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 you know, probably with good reason because they didn't know where, what was going on. Now they do. And and, okay. It's pretty clear. You know, it's not a gay thing. It's not a, it's a human thing. And anybody can get it at any time. If you're not careful, you got to just be smart. Um, you know, but you can't, like you say, you can't get it from uh, a toilet seat. You can't get it from the, like what people were thinking. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, no. So you know, as I transitioned from you know not being from being a Jesus believer into being an independent thinker, and uh, you know, uh, uh, I also fell in love with a girl who was a Jehovah's Witness, Whoa. and um, and couldn't date her because I wasn't in the church. Wow. Uh, you know, you had to, you actually had to drink the Kool Aid of the church, and so I weighed those things, and you know, damn. I could have had sex. <laughs> Jehovah's Witness you know, is just, weird, though, right? They're, they don't oh yeah, believe they're in birthdays, and, right? They don't. They don't believe in birthdays. They don't believe in any. They don't believe in uh, putting anything above God or Jesus. And even Jesus doesn't go above God. Huh? That's what it is. They're very, very centered on God, and anything else is a false prophet. It's um, you know you're, you're you're worshiping somebody that's not God, and that's wrong. Wow, yeah, it's true. Yeah, so like, so I knew that no People magazine, door, right? yeah. no movies. They couldn't watch movies because that would be like. Couldn't watch movies. No Christmas. You know, uh, Michael Jackson was the one. Wow. Yeah. It, Weird, right? It like, is well, and but that didn't shape you. You were like, you loved this person, but and you, so you yeah. learned about it a little bit. But you were just like, no, I gotta back away slowly with both yeah. hands out. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I was in love. I was certainly in lust, you know, and she was gorgeous, and she was brilliant. Uh, she was a piano player. I invited her to go see uh, Elton John on the Elbert Road Tour. Um, <laughs> <Rad. and laughs> that was the first concert I saw, by the way. That's and, awesome. And, yeah, and so her mom said no, and I said, why not? And she said, you're not a Jehovah's Witness. <sighs> and I said, okay, I hate religion I you know that really solidified my my belief that this was messed up yeah it really did that you know on top of everything else that that was the icing on the cake that said religion's just screwed but that and you know, God does not yeah. want you to get your dick wet and that is not true that is not a God I believe in 
I would never believe in that God. God, no. God, 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 God. Those guys wouldn't, you know? Like, God said uh, be fruitful and multiply in that right? other book. I don't know. Yeah, God also said that, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, Oh, God, believe in God and he will provide. But, you know, what will he provide, people? Yeah, Could it be right. famine? Could it be, you know, pestilence? I don't know. Maybe a plague of frogs. Jeez. Well, I love my you favorite know. Bible verses. Um, Look at the birds of the sky. They do not reap or sow or, or sow or weep or store away in barns. Yet your heavenly Father yeah. takes care of them. Are ye not better than birds? And I'm like, I don't think, I don't think we are. I think birds are probably better than us. I think they're more... Uh-oh. Organized and they leave less of a carbon footprint. They're they can fly. Yeah. Birds are pretty fucking cool. They don't need anybody to take care of them. They figure it out. They eat worms, little bugs. Right. Well, Louis C.K. You know, not not to bring up another bad name, but uh, you know, he did a great bit on that with uh, the idea that you know, it's like, why didn't you just eat what I left on the ground? <laughs> you know, like, the hell's wrong right. with you guys? With the man. You know, and, and, yeah, yeah, he's got a point, you know, um, that's very true, it's like, we have everything we need, but we seem to want more all the time, and, you know, we we can we can heap scorn on Trump for being that way, but then, you know, you gotta look in the mirror once in a while, and so, that's one thing that Tai Chi's taught me, is to slow down and, and kind of appreciate what I have in the moment, and that's been really helpful as I've gotten older in life, you know. What, uh, what happens when we yeah. die? What do you think happens when we die? Do you believe in an afterlife? Do you believe yeah. in the heaven? Or uh, the... I, I, I think the soul is immutable. I don't think it changes. I don't think it ages. That's why you hear so many old guys say, my body is 75, but I feel like I'm 18. Right. Um, you know, your soul doesn't age. It's, it's the same. We all have a soul. We just all have different ages, you know, whenever you were born into this corporeal being. And when, when that being that is the receptacle of that soul decides it's time to go, then that soul moves on. And where it goes, well, it goes back to the well of souls. Yeah, but you know, it, with yeah. the people, we keep having a larger and larger population on the earth. Where are all the yeah. souls coming from? Like... But yeah. if we have, we have, how many people are on the earth? Like 7 billion, and next year they'll be like 7.5 billion. So, like 0. 0.5 yeah. billion. Where are those souls coming from? Are they like recycled yeah. whale souls? Yeah, I, 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 Alien I, I souls? souls? I, I think there's a thing that, the, um, you know, uh, that the Chinese philosophers call chi, um, which the Western philosophers called your soul or your spirit. Um, and I don't think that is inexhaustible. I think it's just part of the universe and every living thing has that energy within them and whether you call it a soul or chi or karma or yeah, it wouldn't be karma but you know what I mean whatever your religion tells you to call that immutable thing that we all seem to have within us wow that was interesting I'm on the rumble strip because I just went by an oversized load of a, a, a double wide trailer that was fun did that, could you hear that? be safe yes I think I did hear it but you need to I hope you're hands free <laughs> right now you better be hands free I'm answering. Okay, thank God. Huh. You know, and isn't that funny? I say thank God all the time, but I think that's because I was raised. And whenever something happens, I'm, oh God. It's like these yeah. words, we, yeah. we're indoctrinated with this language. Maybe be, I'd be you being Canadian, I don't know as much, but at least in the United right. States, like, oh God, or yeah. Jesus Christ, no, you, or, you know, this. No, yeah. I thought you just say, oh God. Yeah. Well, and I'm not saying different. Buddha, or you know, Buddha be damned. Or yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm not. 
calling out any other hierarchical mythological creatures. I'm like, by my griffin's beard. I mean, I'm not, it's always like, (laughs) you know, Jesus, God. And I wonder if that's because I was raised there. So you, so you think that it's the energy. So the chi and a soul are the same. And when you're baby, it's all the same. Yeah, because every culture speaks of it, you know, it it talks of this thing. It's that voice in your head, it's your, you know, it's it's the soul you were born with, you know, the, uh, so which gets back to that previous question you're talking about, are we born good or bad? Mm. You know, um, I don't know, I think we're born with a blank slate soul, and then that gets filled in with information, and then we go from there, and a lot of it, you know, but seriously, yeah, I do think that there is something to that, in that the, the soul is something that's immutable, it never comes, never goes away, you can't destroy this thing, it's just like, you know, it's, it's like a law of physics, right, you, you uh, sure. you don't, yeah, there's Energy always, you can't be uh, created or destroyed, the whole Einstein right. thing. Yeah, I think, I think that applies very well, and, and, you know, and that's why I think science is the next religion, um, uh-huh. it already is, frankly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it definitely already, already is. But just oh, all yeah, the genetic engineering and all the oh, science. That's getting scary for sure. Yeah. Science makes me very. I, I mean, I'm I'm having a philosophical issue right now because I I have to chop off my kitten's balls, and uh, he's he's going to be ten. I've just made the appointment, and he's going to be ten months when we do chop off his balls, and they're such right. beautiful. They look like oversized pussy willows. They're just. I just <laughs> love his little balls. And I'm like, nature and God and the world, like, however the world is supposed to work, he's supposed to have yeah. these balls. And yet we, the hubris of man, thinking, I know better than my pet and the veterinarians and everybody says, we know best, we know best. And they want yeah. to take them. And we all just accept, yeah. and I know I need to chop my cat's balls off. I don't want him to pee everywhere and mark things. I, I don't want him to yeah, yeah. be angry. I don't want him to be sexually frustrated. I don't know how to jerk off my cat, so I don't want him to always be mad at me because he's you like, like uh, don't, I'm just so frustrated. Yeah. I don't want that to happen right. either. So I kind of want to take the stance of, <laughs> I'm, I'm, this is, it's better for you. But it, it, religion is sometimes like that too. I'm teaching you this. Don't have sex. You don't have to know why. Just it's better for you that you don't. You know, don't don't yeah. chop off your or chop off your cat's balls. Why? It, well, it's it's just better. Okay, just trust me. It's just have a little faith. Yeah. It's gonna be better for you. Yeah. Um, there, there is that, and so you do take all that on faith. I mean, they they you know we I have a dog. She's ten years old, and um, she was fixed as a puppy as well. And I did have some issues with that, uh, but uh, at the same time, you know. Um, when they fixed her, her, uh, you know, when they tied her tubes, essentially. I mean, they uh, they messed up her, uh, her. Uh, I don't know. Uterine your, extraction, uh, yeah. Her, her urine tract, and so now she's incontinent as she's oh. gotten older, so she's on medication. Oh. And you know, it's, it's, it's real common for that operation to cause incontinence, you know, later on in life. If they so, do know. it too early, well, that's why I'm letting I'm letting his balls get yeah. as big as. I mean, he's gonna be. <laughs> He's, he's going to be the full-size cat. Because they do, they need, like, shocker. certain... What happened? Yeah, yeah. No, it's always a shocker when you see a cat with balls, man. It's like, holy cow! You know, it's like, those are some serious balls. He's, yeah. he's still a kitten, but... I, I wanted yeah. to get all like the good stuff out of having them, you know, like his bones will be stronger, he's going to be a little bit bigger, right. like, right. I just... There's certain things that science does where we, like, 
literally castrate. But no, that this whole circumcision argument, like why, why do we decide to do this, all of us? There are certain things in science that everyone just goes, well, this is what we do. Just like with birth control, it's like women take birth control, but oh, men God, that, could that actually take believe. birth control too. There, there's, you could do. It a, would be easier, in fact, and healthier uh, from all the studies I've heard. Um, yeah. That, that blows my mind. I, I, my, my wife was on birth control before we got married, um, and we talked, and we decided to use uh, other forms of birth control um, and not have her on the pill. Uh, and so she, so she quit taking the pill like 25, 30 years ago. Um, and, I, you know, I was just, I just couldn't believe that that was just an unquestioned normal, right? It, that, that really was the first awakening for me as to the real structure of, you know, the patriarchy in this country and, and, and how, uh, yeah. And it comes to religion, and you said it yourself, and I love yeah. what you said about religion, that it was some of the first forms of government. That's how you governed yeah. the people was through religion. Yeah. And so you could see you could see how people set themselves up socially through their yeah. religion. And the subjugation of women has always been part of that, and the patriarchy. But it would be so easy to have boys have reversible mastectomies. Just you have a little double ligation. They can un. They don't snip yeah. it. They just put a little double ligation on it, so no sperm can pass. And then very easily right. done and easily changed. Whenever they're a responsible yeah, adult that wants to take care of whatever kids they might or might not put in the world. I mean, yeah. that all of it gets put to the woman sucks. That first, you know, we've got to use the birth control, which. Taking daily hormones well, is not that's daily scary. hormonal therapy is not yeah that that's that's huge man and, and to, to make a, a young woman do that is yeah. to be I just I remember when I learned about sex and you know growing up and that women had the pill and you know that was a sexual revolution it's like well, yeah, for who you know it's like it's for guys um, you know it, it's not for women um, I mean it, it could be argued that it was and, and it's probably not the most well thought out thing I've ever said but. At the same time, you know, it it just seems so wrong uh, and so extreme. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, no. and we and we 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 say that steroids is no good. People who take steroids, but daily yeah. hormone therapy is steroids. Steroids are when you take hormone therapy for any reason. You're taking steroids, so yeah. it's not yeah. just like I'm getting beefed. I'm taking. It's when you're taking testosterone or different kinds of steroids to help you. Yeah, I, it's just funny that we sell things one way and sell things another way, and oh yeah, and that let yeah, men no, no, be. No. We let men be willy-nilly and whatever they want, and women have to take all the responsibility. And it's, I, yeah. I mean, it's just been the way, I mean, and it's because it's just the way it is. So, well, you know, oh, go ahead. I, well, I was, no, no, say what you were going to say, and then I was going to change the topic. Okay, well, what I was thinking about that was, you know, Hunter Thompson said that, you know, a life of, uh, you know, excess sex and drugs, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, but it's worked for me. <laughs> and it's sort of like, you know, that is the, the, the position of the church in that, you know, I wouldn't recommend it's a life of subjugation and oppression for anybody, but it's worked for me, you know, and, and, and but for guys. And I don't know, that was just popped in my head. I'm, you know, Absolutely. So. Um. Yeah. And now I'm going to try to remember what I would say. Oh, so after we die, yeah. you yeah. think we do get recycled, like your soul, but it just yeah. re-blank slates into somebody else. You don't remember yeah. the things like, from before. You, yeah, you have no memories of, you know, I don't know people search out past life memories through hypnosis and whatnot, but, you know, practically, you know, when I think about things, I don't remember anything before I was born. I think it's going to be the same after I die. Um, I don't realize, you know, I don't expect any other reason that would be that way. There may be another form of consciousness that my soul already has, like a language it already speaks, but I'm not versed in that. I'm versed in, you know, 
earthly languages. You know, I'm not of the ether, you know what I mean? And I really do feel like that spirit, that chi, the reason I think that this is true is that when you do Tai Chi, you cultivate chi, the, the actual force, a life force. Um, the belief is, is that you're born with a certain reservoir of chi uh, that dissipates throughout your life as you live life, and by 40, you're pretty much running on empty. And oh. the idea, yeah, yeah, interestingly enough. And uh, so uh, when you um, uh, do this form uh, and you, you really, I, it's amazing. I can really feel it. It's, it's bizarre. And um, it, it, it borders on, you know, conspiracy weirdness as well. Uh, but I've seen too many examples of it and felt it myself personally to not believe that there's something larger than me and all of us that we all share without even knowing it in that sense. You know, it, yeah. So it gets pretty heavy that way. <laughs> uh, okay, so we covered after we die. Uh, what are some of the other yeah. things that you see as... Oh, that no, let's go in a totally different direction. Why comedy? Yeah. Oh, why comedy? Um, gosh, yeah, that was a survival mechanism for me as a kid. Um, I, you know, basically uh, was, was... It was a way for me to, to deflect the aggression that I would have from the young alpha males that I was being exposed to as being the new male in the, you know, in the herd. And, uh, and so, you know, I learned very early on, uh, not to take it all too seriously and to, to kind of make fun of myself. And once I did that, I was not a threat. Oh. Yeah. And so I was able to exist without, you know, physical violence in my life all the time. And, and there was a time when one trip, one time we moved to Canada and with the first three months I was in, I had stitches, I was in a sling, and uh, my arm was in a sling, and I was in a, uh, a cast. Wow. And they were all, they, I was, yeah, they were all caused by physical altercations. That's that, you know, I was held, abuse. Yeah. yeah, it was fucked up. <laughs> Where were the parents? What happened to your parents? Did anybody call any parents? Who were these kids? I mean, so they broke to, your arm? Like, that's not well, like yeah. pr kid pranky kid stuff. That's like you broke their arm? And they threw a rock uh, at me that was packed in a snowball, and it split up in my forehead. Oh, my you know, it, God. It was just, I don't know what my folks did about it behind my back. They didn't say anything uh, that I remember, but back then, that was my struggle. Um, I had to prove my own character by um, dealing with it in a way that my parents would find acceptable and, and admire and respect, apparently. so. Would you write letters you know, to them? I mean, I would be so <laughs> pissed. I mean, if no, they're... I, I, no, the only thing that I did was um, I snapped one day and I literally grabbed a kid, threw him over a desk and jumped on top of him and started pounding on him until they pulled me off. And, you know, I just snapped. I, I basically, and you finally gained their respect yeah. by losing your shit. Yeah. That yeah, is the worst lesson to learn. That is the worst. It's How is that a good yeah. lesson? How does that teach you anything about life? Like, uh, yeah. about well, justice? That justice is well, physical? Life, life says that you got to fight for it. Yeah, you got to fight for everything you're going to get. And if you don't like what you have, fight harder. I, you know, they were the greatest generation that raised me, right? Uh, you know, they, they, they didn't have... They basically used the Teddy Roosevelt uh, uh, method of parenting. You know, it's like, throw him in the water. And if you can't swim all, he wasn't a good one. Wow, you know? yeah. You know, don't you go drowning now. I mean, I just heard, who was that? I think it was Dion Cole said that. His dad threw him in the pool and said, you know, 
as he's thrashing about, almost dying. He goes, don't you go drown on me. <laughs> don't disappoint yeah. me in that way. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's a you know, very narcissistic culture of the, the greatest generation. Um, I'm trying to do a bit on that. I don't know if we're ready to laugh at them yet, but holy shit, you know, it's, it's the, oh. the greatest at lying, the greatest at just out so much. So, you, suffered, yeah. you suffered abuse at the hands of your peers yeah. and were not, didn't have the tools to be able to yeah. like mitigate it. You, your parents weren't yeah, giving you any support. What do you go to your teacher? Like, I guess that's the first place I would go is my teacher and be like, these kids yeah. are doing this. No. And yeah. then, no, but then I'm a yeah. snitch. Then everyone yeah, yeah, make yeah, fun of me. It'll be worse. I mean, yeah, right. It would just, if I had gone to the teachers, it would have been so much worse. But the then, only way I got it to stop. Let's yeah. get back to the good and bad thing. What the fuck is wrong with yeah. those other kids that are bullying? What's the fuck is, what are they getting out of picking <laughs> on a person and making them feel terrible? Breaking their arm. If I broke a child's arm, I would be, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. I would feel so guilty. I would, the, what? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it was, it was, there were kids that, I mean, it was a different time. There's no doubt about it. You know, it's like I hate to go to the old man saying it was like, well, I was a kid, but I swear <laughs> to God it was different. You know, the bullying was not was considered a rite of passage. Um, you know, those that got bullied that couldn't deal with it physically would retreat into books, and they became nerds, you know? And um, I did that, too. I mean, I, ask me how the Greeks used to form their armies and, and what their best strategies were. I read all that shit, you know? Um, just, to, just to stay away from the evil that was around me um so it did have a real positive side uh being bullied in that you know i didn't know what those guys were going through at home um but they certainly thought it was okay to take whatever frustrations they had out on other people yeah and and that's that's so amazing to me because if we if we start with your idea of the slate that everyone is it starts yeah. blank then some people really fucked those kids over that they think it's oh, okay yeah. And so yep. then, but then that's, that's me thinking, okay, well, I, I somehow have empathy. I mean, I've got to empathize with them somehow. I, I have to, I have to believe yep. that people think that they're doing things that are right. But then when they see things yep. that are, I feel like they're so evil. I feel like the, the racism and the, the immigration policies that we're turning back and the things that we're doing to a country of immigrants, I feel like that's evil. But then they must the people in power right now, they must think they're doing the right thing. They'd have to. Right. And so yeah. that's where I just, yeah. I don't even, the cognitive dissonance is just too hard for me because I'm like, what I think is good and I think is evil, someone else might have those completely flipped in their mind. Like they look at me and they're yeah. like abortion, joke writing, feminist, oh, yeah. liberal, Satan worshiper. Yeah. And, right. you know, that I'm evil. That I'm somehow what's wrong with the United States is that liberal, loving our homeless people, drug addict, hippie, smoking yeah. our California weed. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. It's just, it's so hard to understand how that can all coexist and then. But well, it keeps you know, moving the generation, on. Yeah, it's true. I mean, the generation that raised me, they call the greatest generation, but they were really great at denial, um, <laughs> you know, right? And yeah, I, I really believe that. And so when you bring up something that makes them think and challenges their beliefs, they feel threatened, I think, mm. um, you know, and, and they don't see it as normal. 
that because they don't question. They just do. And, you know, I, I think that's because they were very religious, you know, in their early days. They were brought up in a very religious thing, uh, world compared to, you know, our world. Right. Um, and, you know, they were taught not to question authority, that the people in power knew what they were doing. And that was the way it all worked. And it, you taught you know, to hate the gays. <laughs> That's what they taught everybody. Yeah. Hate the gays. Yeah. And you're like, what? Why? Why do we have to hate why? the people? Why do we hate anybody? Why? I thought God was about yeah. love and shit and inclusion. Well, that's what I was taught, you know, and, and I brought that up with my folks when they were capable of understanding. And, and you know, right now my, my dad is, he's just, you know, he's a sweet old guy, but he, he doesn't have an original thought in his head anymore. So we can't really talk about anything. But back in the day we did. And they, you know, I, I remember telling them how upset I was that they raised me as this, you know, turn the other cheek Christian in a world that is doggy dog. Yeah. And, you know, basically all Jesus did with, for me was turn me into a goddamn doormat until I stood up for myself. Right. You know, and they didn't like that conversation at all. So we dropped it pretty quick. Yeah, so your parents are, they're, they're, ooh, they're like in their 90s now? Yeah, dad's 91 now. Mom, mom passed this last year. Oh, in I'm summer. so sorry. Um, yeah, thanks. It, it, you know, it was, it was, one thing about your parents getting older, if you're around them, you kind of watch them, um, you know, die in pieces, if that makes sense. Sure. Like first they you know, can't, their mobility, they, their mobility yeah. dies. And then they're on oxygen and then, the, you know, and, and, and you know, it, there's a real order to it. And so you realize that that sort of softens the blow. And so, you know, the sadness I felt for mom's passing, I, I was, I, I felt, you know, years before she passed. Oh, uh, wow. Because, yeah, because she, you know, it, I, I've been told I'm a little too empathetic. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, I just, it was just, just a tragedy lose her ability to be mobile and be independent right. and, you know so that that sadness prepared me for her passing but her passing is so much more than just dying right yeah so and then how you approach that is huge and her generation again it's like denial of death really and they'll do anything they can to stay alive even if it means living in diapers you know it's right. like Ugh. I'm not, you know, that's not my kind of thing. I, I, I'm sorry, you know, it's like, if I get to that point, I'm heading up into the hills, you know, and just see ya. It's, I, I feel the same way, like a, like I want to be like a yeah. cat, where I just sort of like hide away from everybody, and I'm like, I'll go, it's fine. Yeah. But. And that is, yeah, yeah. Oh, anyway. Death is hard. That's heavy stuff, man. Uh, we but, have, yeah. we have a little time left. Uh, where, how long cool. have you been, how long have you been doing comedy? Since I was, uh, uh, I'd like to say since I was eight, uh, when I first saw Monty Python, because my sister was telling me the other day, she said, uh, you used to go stay up at night and watch Monty Python at 11 o'clock and then reproduce the entire show for us the next day. Wow, that's awesome. And you had, you had all the accents correct, and, you know, like, we knew you were doing Graham Chapman, or we knew you were doing John Cleese, or we knew you were doing, you know, and it was like Palin. And, and, and so I've always been... You know, I've always found that as being the one place where I was accepted and and kind of like, you know, found a home. And so after, you know, my kids moved on and my parents were moving on, I just decided that I'm going to go up on stage and, you know, my job moved on. Um, I had a lot of time on my hands, so I said, that's it. I'm just going to go up on stage and see what happens. And um, so I've been doing stand-up. Uh, on open mic stages since March. Oh, uh, wow, so it, not that long. Almost a year. You're coming no. up on your year. 
Yeah, it's my rookie year, and uh, um, and in in San Francisco, I've been doing open mics since June, and comedy mics since like August. Okay. And yeah, so that's been my progression with it, and um, and if I can do a plug, please. Oh, cool! Oh boy, this is my first plug, fam. You get to be part of it. This is awesome. Um, so on on Saturday the second, I'm going to be at uh, uh, Bar Fluxus with um, Laugh My Ass Off Productions doing uh, or, or Hella Funny Productions doing Laugh My Ass Off. It's like a beginners kind of gig for um, you know you get six to eight minutes and you're on a feature list. Um, and it's what's called a bringer set, which I just learned about. Uh, I agreed to do this before I even knew what anything was. Of course, you know it's like I don't know what I'm doing. But uh, apparently if I, I sell 10 tickets, then they'll give me a percentage of tickets sold after that, which is interesting. Um, and that's not really a plug, is it? I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of trying to explain comedy. But the plug is, is I'm going to be there Friday, Saturday night starting at 7. So come on out, people. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bar Fluxus. I, hella Funny is great. And they do yeah. they do, do bringer shows. But it's yeah. you have to – I mean, if you're going to do a bringer show, now that your first year is the time to do it because you ostensibly still have yeah. friends. The problem is once you've been in comedy for <laughs> seven years, you won't have any more friends. All you'll have are other comics. And so there's no one to come see you. Right. Like, people are like, um, right. don't and, and, and really. the last thing a comic wants to do, right? It's like <laughs> you, you still have – I mean, well, you still have your connections from your job, your old job or whatever. You could send them an email and you'll send – I ten, do, although – You'll you send know, 10 tickets in a second. Bonded. Just – Go the, your old that? your old job. Send them a big email yeah. and say, "Hey, I'm going to be on stage. You guys should see me. I'm really funny. It's the stand-up yeah. show." And sell them a block of tickets, and then you're good to go. Right on. Well, you know what? It's funny because um, the people that are actually going to the show, I've already sold ten tickets. Oh, um, or at least I have ten ten intentional going um, uh, at minimum. Uh, so I might have more than that. That's great. Like you said, I have friends, yeah. and these are friends from uh, from nursery school days. Oh my gosh. So, uh, yeah, so, so for me, this is a real Maisel moment. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I had one of those at uh, that uh, Portals Tavern where Mauricio does um, a few drinks and a laugh at FDAO. And that's a great mic, by the way. Um, you get it's, 10 minutes. I, and I, I love know. Portals, and, and it used to be, we used to have an open yeah. mic there a long time ago, but... I live in the yeah. Tenderloin and it is so hard to get home. Like I have to I leave it. there. It's a later mic. And the that It is really late. That um yeah. the train yeah. stops at midnight. So if I'm not out of there and by midnight, sucks. I'm not gonna be home like Yeah, until, and if you're not early on the list. I mean you, you got ten people in front of you, that's a hundred minutes. Exactly. It, yeah, I get it. So for me and their drinks yeah. are their drinks are very expensive. I, so it's just one yeah. of those ones that I would want to go and support him, and I and I do I do like FDAL, and I I, yeah. I miss Iron but, and Gold. I loved that one, but late my I heard, yeah, that was yeah, I heard that was supposed to be really good. It was um, a really good one. There's one I heard about on two 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 hide or something, and then um oh well, that's not an open mic. That's a that's a showcase. That's the setup. That's a showcase. Okay. Yeah, that's the setup. Uh, they yeah. I really like uh, what Tony Sparks is doing at uh, Milk Bar and um, uh, uh, Copyright. Copyright. Um, Although I I heard that Copyright was kind of a shit show last week. Well, yeah, because we had to be in the back room by the ski ball. They didn't even turn the music down. And I was like, I stole their toilet paper. I was so pissed at them. I was like, you respected me so little with my comedy. I'm stealing your toilet paper, Copyright. They're $7 (laughs) beers. Fuck them. Um, I, I hear that. I wish I could get out to Milk Bar, but again... Where yeah, I live, out there. Yeah. where where I yeah. live, and there's like no good bus to get from the Tenderloin to the yeah. Hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I well, I, also like uh, 
TK Morris does a great thing at Edinburgh, and uh, and along with Kaiser Lieb, they they have a really sweet little mic there. Um, it's a very club-like setting. You're in a separate room from the bar, um, and it's been it's, that's been a lot of fun for me. It's been a real education, and and that's the thing. I mean, I'll go to I'm basically the Jesus Christ of open mics. I I will fill jokes to every center, but uh, you know, to be realistic, I'm more like the whore of Babylon. Yeah. <laughs> ah. Yeah, slut, slut around the jokes. Yeah, uh, got to do the it's, uh, Yeah, running an open mic is a, is a thankless chore. Um, it's a lot of work, man. I, I really appreciate how much effort goes into it by people. And, you know, plus you're hearing a lot of sex. And, you know, going to open mics, that's, like I said, I've, I've been using it as a kind of like a graduate school in comedy for myself. Not that I even have a degree in comedy, but... You know, um, I'm learning a lot from a lot of really good people, uh, yourself included, Pam. I'm, oh, I'm just, like, really impressed with what people are doing. It's cool. Yeah, I mean, there's um, a burgeoning comedy scene here. I don't think that anyone's ever going to get famous, like, L.A. or New York kind of stuff. But, I mean, at least yeah. at least there are people like Tony Sparks who've been holding it down for, you know, 18 years. And, and there's right. venues like Mutiny well, that have a lot of, have you know, a lot of... Yeah, I mean, the spirit of brainwash is huge in that, you know, that... Um, that was really a famous... I mean, I heard people talking about that up in Seattle years ago. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. You know, what, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so. Ali Wong started there. She did some of her first yeah. sets at Brainwash. There's a lot of people. Um, Kamu Bell, he'd done yeah. sets there. That, like, the, pretty much anybody who's come from San Francisco. Amy Miller now is getting some some good fame. She's out of San Francisco, but then via Portland. And But people... Right. Um, funny people. Huh. Uh, well, cool. it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And this has been fun too. Yeah, thank you. This has been some yeah. call me Tim. So bar fluxus on the ninth. What day? On the second. On the second. Uh, on Saturday the second at, at starts at seven o'clock. That's great. Bar fluxus. Look it up, yeah. everybody. Go and say that you are there to see Jim Thirty Acre. Right. Is that your real That's last right. name, or do you make? Is that a stage name? Yeah. No, 30 Anchor is my last name, but I call myself Jim 30 because I've got a really bad dad joke associated with that, and then I try to turn left and say, no, I just do mom jokes, you know, that sort of thing, and then, right. then I get into my set list. But, um, but your name I mean, is I, I so that. good. Jim 30 yeah, Acre? A, what a weird name. Yeah, Jim 30 Acre. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's a direct translation from German. A lot of people think it's Native American, especially in the summer when I have a tan. But, um, I mean, seriously, I get... That's the thing. I, I have, like, seasonal... Uh, nationality disorder <laughs> you should just go know. by 30 acre I mean if you want to have just, a suit just, just call yourself 30 yeah. acre like carrot top it's almost like an homage to your age because like an acre is sort of it's not what? like feet squared or it's like a certain like yeah, 30 acres is thir- 30 acres is bigger than the number thir- it's like you know it's Anyways, right. it, it just sounds... Yeah, but 30 acres is, is a, a large plot of land, and people always say, hey, do you own 30 acres? Exactly. It's <laughs> a lot. You're a, you're, I wish I did. You, this, you should be a I Republican. You're a rich, sounds like you're a rich person. You own 30 acres. Right? Christ. Well, I, yeah, before I did comedy, uh, I was a photographer. I still am, uh, but I, I made my living doing photography. Oh. And, uh, uh, and one time I was photographing uh, a woman, and she was a model, and um, she was doing some commercial work for, I, I don't know, with some you know, retail client. And uh, uh, her last name was Moneymaker. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> Shaking so, Moneymaker. Yeah, we thought, 
real estate firm, baby. You know, easy or something. I don't know. It was just interesting. So, Ms. Moneymaker. Yeah, no way. Ms. Moneymaker. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was so hard not to, you know, not to say, go, hey, you're going to be shaking this. Yeah, you're going to shake that moneymaker uh, tonight, baby. Oh, my God. I had my, I had my Me Too moment in 1985. <laughs> so, yeah. When I met her. Uh, anyway. Yeah, no, um, yeah, well, pretty Jim funny. Thirty Acre. It's been exciting. Go, everybody, go see him this Saturday at Bar Flexes here in the city, and you can catch him at an open mic near you. And uh, yep. keep doing that Zen Tai Chi stuff. I will. It really does help. It does. I recommend it. I, you know, I swear to God, you get me on the right day, and I will preach it to you and tell you that you got to do it. It's good for you. Yeah, we'll do some t- next time. Show me your little 40 moves. It, it, how do you remember all of them? Is it like a dance? Is it like, yeah, it's like it, the funky you chicken? Learn it by, well, you learn it in bits and pieces. Like you, you, go, you start with the, you know, the beginning, of course, and then you know, work your way through. And then as you practice, you learn it through what's called embodiment. Um, so oh. if you ever forget it, you can really let your body just take over and you'll do it. And that's how, you know, like if I haven't done it for a while, um, say I've taken a break for a month or body do it and I can remember all the moves really well it's weird it's, it's kind of a cool thing that's neat it's like it's like the tap dance that I had to learn from this yeah. one and I can still do it I'll do the tap dance sometime. yeah yeah because you yeah exactly it's like, that's the way they, it's like you're riding a bike you know same thing it's physical memory physical memory playing the piano all that stuff get it in your body get it in yeah. your body yeah, there's a good lesson there. Uh, Jim, thank you so much. This has been really enlightening here today on Some Call cool. Me Tim. Be safe on the rest of your travels back to the city. I will. And I, I look will. forward I... to seeing you maybe on Friday at happy hour. Do you ever come to that one? I, You know, I, I have. I think I went there um, a while back, and then um, I haven't been able to get back because I was doing Cafe International. Oh. Um, uh, because I, I really am a big fan of uh, Clyde Always, by the way, the, you know, the part of the lower hate. Just to yes. Get One of the funniest really. people and so talented. And he does Robert service poems, which, you know, speaks to my old man's soul. So, you know, what uh, can I say? He has a show <laughs> coming up as well. Yeah. Yeah, he does. I think at the, uh, it's not at the Marsh. It's at, uh, is it? At, no. Is it, it piano the, fight? The, I can't remember. The church, the church thing. The, Everybody look up Clyde always because he does. He has a show that he yeah. puts on, like a one man show that he does every once in a yeah. while, and it changes and all go the time. See it because I missed it when he was at the marsh. I, I had stuff going on. I couldn't get there, and I'm, I was bummed that I didn't see it. So I'm going to definitely try to see him this round. Awesome. Well, <laughs> hope to see you soon. Thanks for being on some Call Me Tim. Thank you, listening yeah. audience, for being here. And uh, we'll be back next week with another guest. Right Thank you. That was Jim 30 Acre. There he was. Every week's different. Let's see who's up next week. Let's see who's going to talk about God and stuff next week. I can't believe that... Uh, he was abused as a child and nobody stopped that. Um, Mauricio Marte is next week. That'll be followed on the 13th by Annie Two. On the 20th, we'll have Kelly Evans. And on the 27th, Butterfly Sparkle Pants, also known as Mercedes. Uh, going into March, after the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, we've got Yolanda McGee and Sean and Kenny. So exciting stuff here on Some Call Me Tim. Different people all the time. Everyone believes something different. 
And I find that pretty amazing. This has been uh, Some Call Me Tim here on Mutiny Radio. Thank you guys for listening. Let's see. Let's play it flat black plastic, shall we? Uh, Until then, please enjoy the dulcet tones of rhythm and noise. Black Plastic Uni Radio that event is being done on a different day Tuesday so that's why it sounds like Tuesday
Uh, stop putting me over there. Is this funny? Uh, I can't, you know, these lights are strong. I can just see, I can't see, I can see him vaguely, vaguely, and nothing up there, no. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bomb, yeah. Definitely bomb, I can't. Cannot cop out for the rain, no excuse, no, no, no. no. Rain, uh, yeah, you'll make it in rain, the snow. Uh, would this be beautiful? Dig this in there. Okay, say there's only place seats um, 2,000. There's 500 here. So we must assume that there's 500 people that really dig me. That's a hardcore following. So dig a beautiful put on. There's 1,100 and I give away 1,100 tickets to Mission Market Street drunks. But real Jew, but really rumpos. I get a guy, I give a guy a hundred dollars. Look, I want you to get me a thousand drunks, winos, and tell them to be at the theater, and they'll each get a pint of whiskey. Uh, don't uh, tell them, look, I'm going to give you a pint of whiskey. Don't drink it in the theater. I mean, uh, if you want it, but don't let me see you. I mean, I like to have a drink once in a while myself. And, uh, okay, then I don't have them come in till about eight, uh, about nine o'clock. See, it's dark already and everybody's bombing. Then you see people start to coming, a lot of people, a lot of guys. It must be a shrine of convention because you, you're engrossed with me, but you see all these people coming and marching. And, okay, now they each got a pint. And, uh, yeah, so I assume for the first 15 minutes, completely unaware of them, except the bossing and now they're seated, Closing your part of my heart. Uh, uh, and people seeing vapor bags going up. Uh, hey, want a drink? No, drink it. Okay, now they would probably start to dig me, the drunks. And after maybe 20 minutes, they're completely out of it now. You know. What the hell did that guy say? Hey there, knock that off about the Pope, you! You better shut up there, right? What's the meaning of this? I just you shut up when the bottles come. Bling! Now we've got maybe 30 minutes going. Now they're winos, so a pint of whiskey, schliffo. Yeah, completely. Now we have not only the problem of maintaining order, that's gone now. Now we have a problem of removal. You've got 1,100 drunks to move. From the men's room, the ladies' room, they crack the candy cases. Yeah, what, oh, that's a big bust, 1,100. I assume yeah, you could probably do away with them. Um, they could get rid of about 650. Yeah, because you must realize that if you're that juiced out, that's a good three-day pass-out, maybe.
Flat Black Plastic Mutiny Radio dot FM.
on Sunday drives with windows down to warm breeze summer nights in your backyard stars. Sleep beneath blankets and sticks. On the ground on garden bricks. Where I play, where I stay. Where a restless dream meets the water and fades away. home and caught a late night flight to Chicago, then rented a car and drove to the Hoffman House in Bridgeton. Cherry Street was a middle-class street of substantial two-story houses which had been touched but not destroyed by the blight that creeps outward from the centers of cities. The Hoffman House was of grimy white brick like the others, but the front porch had been painted within living memory. An old Chevrolet coupe stood at the curb in front of it. The doorbell didn't work. I knocked on the screen door. An old young man with more nose than chin opened the inner door and looked at me through the screen in a sad way. Mr. Haggerty? Yes. I told him my name and trade and where I was from. I was with your wife, your ex-wife, shortly before she was killed. It's a dreadful thing. He stood absently in the doorway, forgetting to ask me in. He had a frowsy, sleepless look, as if he'd been up most of the night. May I come in, Mr. Haggerty? I don't know if it's such a good idea. Earl's pretty broken up. I'm sorry, I said, that Mr. Hoffman isn't feeling well. I'm afraid I'll have to talk to him anyway. I didn't come from California for the ride. If you insist, I only hope you can get some sense out of him. I saw what he meant when he took me through the house to Earl's Den, as Haggerty called it. It was furnished with a closed roll-top desk, an armchair, a studio couch. Through a haze compounded of whiskey fumes and smoke, I could see a big old man sprawled in orange pajamas on the couch, his head propped up by bolsters. A strong reading light shone on his stunned face. His eyes seemed out of focus, but he was holding a magazine with an orange cover that almost matched his pajamas. The wall above him was decorated with rifles and shotguns and handguns. When I recall the loss of all my perished years, he said huskily. Old cops didn't talk like that, and Earl Hoffman looked like no exception to the rule. His body was massive and could have belonged to a professional football player or a wrestler gone to pot. His nose had once been broken. He had a clipped gray head and a mouth like bent iron. That's beautiful poetry, Bert, the iron mouth said to Haggerty. I suppose it is. Who's your friend, Bert? Mr. Archer from California. California, eh? That's where my poor little Helen got knocked off. Do you know, did you know my little daughter Helen? I knew her. 
Isn't that remarkable? He rose swaying and clasped my hands in both of his, using me to support him. Helen was a remarkable girl. I've just been reading over one of her poems. Wrote her when she was just a teenage girl at City College. Here, I'll show you. Haggerty made a fairly elaborate search for the orange-covered magazine, which was lying in plain sight on the floor where he had dropped it. The name of it was the Bridgeton Blazer, and a 